Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another Trinity League football podcast for 2019. I'm Dan Albano with the Orange County Register, joined once again, I think it's either the fourth or fifth year, by my partner, Scott Barajas, OC Football Insider. Scotty, it's 2019, another Trinity League football season is approaching. We're going to dive into the uh, the season and do some breakdowns, but of course I want to welcome you back, Scott. It's great to be with you and, and talking some football. It's that time of year. How's your summer? How's everything going? Uh, you know, how's the, how's the mindset going into another high school football season for you, Scotty? Uh, Dan, and the summer's been pretty good. Um, you know, the mindset's there. You know, I've been, fo- you know, followed. We saw a lot of summer spring ball, and um, we're just getting ready. Uh, we just want to see the uh, pads and we're a couple of weeks away from uh, the first uh, official game, so I'm ready. That's awesome. I'm getting more ready. Uh, the more football previews I work on, the more I get excited about the season. I think it's going to be another great season. And uh, I was at the Trinity League Football uh, Media Day, their first ever one. They had a couple weeks back. I, I got to spend a little bit of time there in and out, and that was another exciting um, event to uh, – to get uh, the season going. So what we're going to, uh, let me set up the format here for our, our 2019 football preview here in the training league. We're going to start off with a summer recap of each of the six teams in the training league, which if you're not familiar, our teams, modern day, St. John Bosco, Servite, orange Lutheran, J Sarah and Santa Margarita. We're going to also have a, um, a team breakdowns of strengths and weaknesses for each team's or uh, strengths and concerns for the 2019 season. We're going to have newcomers to watch for each team. We're also going to have the most important player on each team to watch this year and why that person, that player is a glue type player, team MVP type player. And we're also going to finish our podcast with a prediction from Scotty and myself. One through six, how's the training league gonna fare this year and what's the the placement order is gonna be so scott are you ready to go i'm ready dan let's let's do this all right so in recapping our summer we're going to start with the uh, two-time defending reigning national champions cif division one champs state champs modern day and talk a little bit about recapping their summer which i think was an excellent summer for the monarchs they won two um, passing tournaments, two significant ones at least, and in my mind, and they won the Edison tournament, they won the Los Alamitos tournament, the Orlando Scandrick tournament in May. They were second in another major tournament to St. John Bosco, that being the Mission Viejo um, tournament. And I think another significant development uh, in this uh, off season was also the continued um, health and um, rehab for their outstanding all-county lineman, Miles Morale, who is a a Washington commit, left tackle, was injured late in the regular season last year against Jay Sarah. Miles has had a, you know, slowly but surely had a good offseason, and obviously we know how important, you know, left tackle, offensive line is in the trenches. So I think a lot of positives around the uh, modern-day summer offseason. What's your thoughts, Scotty? You know, modern day pretty much cleaned up on all the summer tournaments, as you said, except for one, and that was their and it was their only loss 
all summer. Yes, right. You know, they played every, they won every single game, including the pool play. They were like 20 and 0 before, um, you know, they, they played Bosco in the uh, Michigan tournament, and that was their only defeat. Um, they also won the Battle of, um, or the, I should say, the Men in the Trenches lineman competition, uh, which is the prime lineman tournament. Um, in Orange County, and it, it's it's different because it does one-on-one drills, and not so much the obstacle course and the tug of war. So they're actually doing true alignment drills, and they dominated um, that event. And so they didn't get to showcase any of the, that in the uh, Michigan uh, alignment tournament. Um, and then, other than that, you know, pretty much, you know, you know, they did their thing in the summer, and um, you know. You know, what did the summer show or what did the summer tell me, you know, that basically modern day's receiving core probably is going to be stronger uh, and better than it was last year. And defensively, they won't miss a beat. And um, and I'll talk about more on that later. And I know a lot of people are probably, you know, concerned because two players aren't coming back. But um, it's not as big a loss as everybody thinks it's going to be. So um, Monarchs will be, you know, right there in in the end again. Alrighty, that's modern day. So, modern day's arch rival, the St. John Bosco Braves. What a rivalry it is. That was an off-season highlight was modern day and St. John Bosco being featured in a Gatorade commercial, national Gatorade commercial. I got to ask some guys about that in Trini, at the Trinity League um, Media Day, and that, that's a pretty cool development. The Braves, like we said, they were second at the to modern day at the Edison Passing Tournament in late June. But then the Braves bounced back, won the Mission Viejo Tournament. They haven't been going down there that many years. So this was their first title at the uh, at that Mission Viejo Tournament. That was also a big positive. And I think another positive development was just the, the unity for, for the Braves where um, their quarterback, DJ Clemson Commit, you know, he was, you know, he made a pretty big decision uh, in the offseason, and that was he declined to play in the uh, Elite 11 um, finals that were in Texas so he could go. It kind of coincided with the Edison tournament. So DJ chose to be at the uh, Edison tournament. I think that was a good sign for chemistry. Not that I think either way he would have gone fine if it's if he if he did go to the Elite 11, that would be certainly understandable in the finals and and go compete, and there's things that he can bring back. You couldn't go wrong, but I think the positive way to look at it for DJ was he was around his team. I think that's some good chemistry, leadership, and and, and mojo for the Braves. So what was your take on the Braves' offseason, Scotty? You know, their summer wasn't too spectacular. Um, and like you said, they did cap it off with the you know win over modern day to, uh, to close out the summer. Because prior to that, they didn't fare uh, well in the early tournaments. Yeah, they bowed out early in the Low South tournament, and then they fell to modern day in the championship game at Battle of the Beach. Um, and in both those tournaments, they lost pool play games, which Bosco has never, you know, they he would very rarely would lose any games. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what did the summer show and tell me? It was basically a slow start, you know, and DJ was coming back from a injury that he had had sustained in baseball. And then he hadn't thrown a football in a long time. And, and so then that was about that same time where, where he declined the, um, uh, the Elite 11 because he wanted, he needed to know he had to spend time with Bosco because he hadn't done also all spring. 
So, and plus Bosco, I think was also feeling out their young secondary. Yeah. Um, and that also kind of took it, you know, you know, it's taking its toll. Um, but that's kind of what they did for their summer. Okay. Let's move on to Jay Sarah Lions. So I think for their summer, you know, I thought it was, it was a struggle summer. Um, and I initially was wondering, um, Hey, what's going on with the Lions? They have the transfer quarterback in general booty. Um, but we know they have a lot of receivers to replace, but I saw them at Edison one particular game against Centennial Corona. They look great, but they didn't advance very further at that tournament. Um, and then we know they struggled at the Mission Viejo tournament once again. And then they even pulled out of a tournament at Huntington Beach, all because of well, a lot of it is because they were struggling with their timing, the new quarterback, new receivers. But I think a lot of it was understandable. But how did their summer go? They struggled to try to find some of their timing. I think they also got challenged to be more competitive. And I think that was part of the reason they perhaps weren't at that um, Huntington Beach tournament. So what do you think, um, Scotty, about what you uh, saw from the Lions in this offseason? Yeah, you pretty much hit it on the nail. Um, let's just say that, you know, the passing league tournaments didn't showcase any of Jay Sarah's strengths. Um, the, the Lions, they didn't look good in the tournaments um, as they, you know, they failed to make any of the championship brackets in either tournament, any premier tournament. And then, you know, for whatever reason, you know, they, like you said, they pulled out of that Long Beach tournament. I know some guys were banged up because I know some guys didn't finish the Mission Viejo tournament. So I don't know that that could have been some of the reasons. But, um, you know, what did the summer show me? You know, Jay Sarah, you know, wasn't able to show their physical presence that they're going to have. Um, they didn't, you know, they did, though, expose some concerns and weaknesses that I will get into a little bit later. So, okay. So those are the those are the alliance. They were third place in the Trinity League last year. Got to the uh, Division One um, quarterfinals. Uh, you know, nine win team. Um, all right, Scotty. So let's work on Servite now. Um, Friars off season, I think, was very positive in terms of their competitiveness in the, the passing league tournament. With sophomore Noah Fafita at quarterback, they went to Edison tournament, hadn't been um, they got they were more competitive there this year. They made a nice showing at the Edison tournament. And they also were right there in the Mission Viejo tournament where they, they again played very, very well, lost a very close like one or two point game at the end um, to Corona Del Mar, who was the uh, kind of surprise but not surprising runner-up so they lost a very good uh corona del mar team that has some some big dime weapons but for for survey i thought it was definitely a step where they introduced a new quarterback went to these passing tournaments were very competitive and then they've had some big off-season news where four of their starting senior or potential you know probably four potential starting senior offensive linemen have already committed where they have Nicholas, um, I'm blanking on his name, that's going to Kansas. Nicholas Martinez, I believe it is, a tackle. Another tackle, Ender Aguilar, is going committed to Cal. Robert Krebs, a potential guard, is committed to Columbia. And then another guard uh, center, Gemini Lueta, um, he's committed to UNLV. I thought it was a pretty good offseason for the Friars. What did you think, Scotty? Yeah, you know, that, their, their summer was... 
you know, impressive given the fact where they've come from the last two seasons. Um, you know, they started the spring and summer off on a high note, making it to the semifinals of an out-of-state national club tournament that was made up primarily of Servite players. It wasn't necessarily a Servite's team, but, but but the majority of the players were on that team. Um, and then they come back and they make it to the semifinals, like you said, of the Battle of the Beach in the quarters in the Mishimio tournament, losing to Bosco in actually both tournaments. Actually, Mishimio, uh, you had they lost to Bosco in overtime in the Mishimio tournament by one point, only because that one point was they had to go for two oh, in yeah. that deciding touchdown. So I think it was Coronel Mar had beaten Mission Viejo the previous game to go to the championship. So, but in any more, they you know, like I said, Survive was right there and easily they could have been playing modern day in those championship games in both of those tournaments. So, you know, what did the summer show me? You know, that Survive's going to score in the air. Um, they are going to move the ball. However, um, you know, they, their secondary is going to be was a little suspect. You know, I think that you know there was a lot of high scoring games in the in, in all their passing tournaments. So um, that's the one thing we'll get more into that later. Um, but without a doubt, you know, Servite had one of the the better summers, even though they didn't win any tournaments. Yes, absolutely. And what I was Servite actually, I believe, lost a close game to Corona Del Mar in pool play in Mission Viejo. I think that's where they. Uh, I think they were in pool play. Does that sound right? That sounds right, yeah. Right. And another, you know, and, and what did you, I think a, another development, as I mentioned, the sophomore quarterback, T-Mac McMillan, uh, sophomore receiver, also was probably a uh, a, uh, a big development, and I'm probably, we'll be probably talking about him as well. Let's move on to Orange Lutheran. Um, Scotty, last year, Orange Lutheran 2-3, fourth place, in uh, league, so that they actually did beat Servite last year. So, kind of the theme that came out for the Lancers at their Trinity League um, media day, Coach JP Presley talked about the grinding of their, the, you know, their team developed this grinding spirit where they have big holes to fill at wide receiver, big holes at at um, wide receiver and quarterback, of course, with losing Ryan Helensky. Um, so and they were really an inexperienced team, and they went to Mission Viejo tournament. And they kind of knew that this was going to be a tough tournament. They're young; they're trying to, um, you know, kind of uh, get gain some experience, which is tough to go to a great tournament like that. And you're going to try to um, gain experience. It's good to gain experience there against tough competition, but it's tough to get some W's. And they didn't; they struggled to get some W's at that Mission Viejo tournament. What did you think of the Lancers' um, off season? Yeah, their only showcase um, of the summer was that Michigan tournament, and you know they weren't like you said they weren't make expected to make any noise, breaking into um, inexperienced quarterbacks, and then you have this. If this is any indication of the long haul the Lancers are in for um, in a pool play game, they lost to Modern Day forty three to seven, and that's equivalent to almost like seventy scoring seventy points in like a regular season football game. Um, passing league points are hard to come nice. by and put that many up in in so in a short amount of time that those games are it's hard and so to have that see that many that was kind of surprising um but um they're gonna have either freshman or a sophomore quarterback that's probably gonna play this year and it's gonna be tough because they don't have any returning skill players so you know what did the summer tell me you know like he said it's a like like jp presley said it's gonna be a grind um, you know, they're going to take their lumps, but they're just basically going to, you know, have, you know, 
see who's going to step up and fill into those spots. So, and they do have a, a solid line. So you know we'll get more to that later. But uh, as far as their that uh, their summer go, their went that was pretty much what they did. All right. And last team to uh, check in with the, their summer was Santa Margarita. Biggest news of the off season, obviously, huge OC football news started to break it. You know during the uh, the spring, but of course it was the first summer for first year new coach at Santa Margarita. That's Brent Visselmeyer, new coach. Um, should be familiar to Orange County football fans. Actually, has a lot of ties as a former defensive coordinator at Orange Lutheran. Has been coaching some pro and college football since there, uh, since th- those days. But he knows Orange County football pretty well because of his ties with Orange Lutheran and. This was his first summer offseason after replacing Rich Fisher, who was, uh, you know, uh, departs after, I believe it was three uh, seasons. So, Scotty, you know, we, uh, you know, last couple of years, we haven't seen Santa Margarita at the, the passing tournaments that we go to at Edison or Mission Viejo. But, you know, we, we, we do follow it. Um, and some of the news also, uh, while they, you know, got to get to know a new coach and some new philosophies and new coaches and staff. That's what the players are doing. There's also the the pretty steady trickle of news about transfers, and they lost quite a few, probably about you know five, six pretty um, big time players. The biggest one, you know, starting with their quarterback Peter Costelli is at Mission. There's a couple other guys that are at Mission Viejo. Um, there's a, some a couple guys, good guys at Jay Sarah. So. And they they even had a transfer come in, a really touted wide receiver, and his bro- younger brother from Bakersfield, and they were there at Santa Margarita for a short time. It looked like maybe Santa Margarita had caught a break, but then these guys went back to Bakersfield. Um, one of the receivers was was very quick. Um, this guy um, Isaac um, Jurgenen, and then um, but they did late um, in the off season here, um, just within the last week, they did get a, a bounce back type transfer where they had um, Mark R. Jr., a pretty good and fast cornerback who who um, has got a lot of ability. He had left Santa Margarita early in December, went to St. John Bosco, and he's back at Santa Margarita. But, Scotty, what was your take on the offseason for the Eagles? Yes, again, Santa Margarita didn't partake in any, any premier tournaments, you know, but I think they were, like we said, they were hit hard with defections, new coach coming in. Um, players leaving, like I said, they lost about six key re- would be starters. Um, you know, but one of them did come back, as you said, Mark R. Jr. Uh, he went to Bosco, came back towards the end of summer. Um, you know, what did their summer basically show me? Basically, it's total rebuilding year. You know, they have a lot of newcomers without varsity Trinity experience. Um, but you know, what can you do? You just play the game and you do what you, uh, you know come together as a team and you know that's pretty much what we have for Santa Margarita all right of course Santa Margarita struggled last year Rich Fisher's last year three and seven overall oh and five in the training league it was tough they played a good schedule were in some games lost some heartbreakers especially that uh, league opener against uh, Orange Lutheran I was at that game that was uh, that was that was a tough one those uh, training league openers are so uh, very important um, but of course, you can keep grinding, but it certainly helps to win that first one. Hey, Scotty, let's move on now. And we want to thank everybody for checking in with our first Trinity League football podcast of 2019. I'm Dan Albonham, 
working here with Scotty Barajas, our OC football in insider. Scotty, let's look at our um, our team previews here. Strengths and concerns. Let's start off with, you know, keep up the same order. Modern day, 13-2 overall last year, 4-1 in the Trinity. They didn't win that league title that was by the Braves, but then the Bra they got the Braves at, in Division One. What's your thoughts on modern day strengths, weaknesses? It's a Bryce Young-led team, the USC-committed quarterback. We mentioned Miles Morale. They got an excellent offensive line. Their defense is expected to be fast and physical. There's uh, some very good linebackers, very good um, um, defensive linemen, and then the you know big news for the the Monarchs. They lost Elias Ricks to IMG. They lost um, Darion Green to Narbonne, but then they got some new cornerbacks um, with some great depth. What's your what's your takes on these, Scotty? So modern day returns five on offense, seven on defense. Um, and their primarily strengths, you know, it's going to be obviously Bryce Young, you know, the, the creator, you know, when the play breaks down, it, he's so hard to defend. And now, you know, he's been quoted by Rollo as he has the keys to the car. So that's going to be pretty interesting to see. You know, he has that experienced offensive line. Um, they're going to have to find one guy to replace, you know, the one open spot. You know, they have Miles Morale, Ty Marks. And actually, Marks is coming in 30 pounds lighter this year. So he's going to be about, about 275 playing this year. Um, and George uh, Mikey Han at, at center. Um, and then they have the wide receiver core. That's certainly it's going to be stronger um, than it was last year. And they have the ability to go six deep, uh, led by the resurgent Cody Epps, who had a really strong summer. Um, and probably the next one down that line is going to be one of the top sophomores in Orange County, C.J. Williams. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, over, you know, on defense, um, it's the seven who return. You know, that defense is going to be very quick, very fast, has the potential to be better than last year. Um, and that's even after losing Elias Rickson and Darion Green. If people won't realize it's not a big of loss as it seems um you have domani jackson and jalen davies who are national recruits of their own uh jackson was named california's number one prospect in the 2022 class and number 10 nationally uh by 24 7 i mean it's an early list but his ability is obvious he's long and he's just as strong as he lies but he's faster um jalen davies showed his ability during the playoff run last year um so without a doubt, they're going to maybe you lose depth within the nickel and dime packages. But as far as starters go, um, they'll be fine. And then that linebacker core, uh, specifically the outside linebackers with Rajon Davis and Koba Fulamatu, and then another newcomer sophomore, David Bailey, who we'll talk a little bit more later. Um, those guys are going to they, – they're interchangeable, so they'll be able to do a lot of things um, that they haven't been able to do before. Um, and then they're going to have about six, seven guys that they'll be able to rotate on the D line. Um, um, and the last probably strength that they're going to have is, uh, they got a, picked up a transfer punter race Mahalam from Buchanan Clovis and he's Stonehouse like we yeah. all remember Stonehouse, yeah. who, uh, right. Stonehouse used to put those sky high, uh, punts. Oh, um, yeah. That's a big. That's a big weapon to have, and he's very. He's a rated punter and, and a kicker, um, but he's you know 
they're going to have that ability uh, on their special teams again this year. That's going to be huge. Um, so concerns for the Monarchs, what do you see? So it's going to be the depth on the offensive line. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, you know, they have a solid, you know, four or five guys, but they don't have enough to sustain after that, you know, that to play at that same level. So that's going to be huge. Um, last year when Miles went down, they had to take Safite off from the defense and put him on offense. And they're probably going to have to do the same thing um, this year. They have a couple of young kids that they're kind of uh, been filtering in, but you know, we'll see what, what ends up happening for that one spot. Um, and, you know, pretty much that's, you know, you know, it's it's that's the only you know, everything else the Monarchs have. You know, they can only beat themselves. So I think you know it's just going to be that depth. Of course, quarterback um, it would be a concern. Um, you know, you lose that big leadership, but primarily it's that it to me at least it's that depth on the O line. Right, and that comes uh, that becomes a big factor because of the strength of the modern day schedule. You know, it's going to be probably arguably the toughest schedule, and we'll talk more about that in another podcast. But it's going to be arguably the toughest scheduled non-league in school history. So um, that's when you start to play the centennial of Corona and you play St. John's in Washington, D.C. and St. Francis of Baltimore. And you make a trip out to Phoenix and play, um, or Peoria, Arizona, and play Centennial. It's going to be uh, going to be brutal that way. So let's uh, move on to the Braves. 13-1 and last year, our defending Trinity League champions lost in the... Uh, and the only game they lost was in the Division One final. Tough game. Didn't play their their best against Modern Day at Cerritos College. Um, but uh, let's talk about the strengths and weakness of uh, that team. Again, they're going to be led by DJ, their outstanding quarterback, um, committed to uh, Clemson. They got uh, they got a very some very good linebackers. They got um, AJ Gatto, um, transfer from Orange Lutheran. Um, you know, they got another transfer from Orange Lutheran, Logan Loya, who's going to help a lot at a wide receiver. Court Williams is back as, as a mainstay key guy at, uh, at linebacker. He's committed to Ohio State. They also have Kobe Pepe at defensive line, committed to USC. Um, got a really good running back, committed to UCLA, Nathan uh, Nathaniel Jones. So there's, you know, um, Drake Metcalf is an outstanding offensive lineman, committed to Stanford. Jake Newman's another... Um, safety uh, committed to UCLA, so they you know there's a lot of college guys that you know that they have. They're hungry, um, and they're, it's all about you know uh, you know it's pretty much them in modern day um, battling out as far as that rivalry. What do you see about the Braves, Scotty strengths and uh, concerns? Uh, without a doubt, uh, it's DJ um, going into this one. You know, then we have the wide receiver core. Uh, then they were strengthened with the addition of you know Logan Loya um, to go with Hutt, Chris Hudson Chris and Hudson, Bo, yeah. Co- Bo Collins. Um, three starters returned to the O line, um, and we mentioned Drake Cat- Metcalf, and then I think there's Logan Logan Bednar. I think he I think he's a U of Penn commit, and then there's Shea Womack, and he's also a returner. Um, and then the top sophomore offensive lineman in the 2020 class in California, um, Ernest Green. And Green was he was rated the number eight overall in California. It's number 66 nationally by 24/7. Um, and then, despite being boasted by a bevy of transfer linemen, 
Um, none of those guys are slated to start, but they're going to provide a lot of depth. So Bosco's going to get a lot of – that's going to be a strength for them is that they should have a lot of depth on the O-line, um, and that's always nice to have. Um, and then, they're, you know, of, of course, you know, defensively, you know, they're going to have, um, you know, the, the, that linebacker class um, with the um, Court Williams and um, I was going to say, you know, as we you know, jump into my concerns, I was going to say that that linebacker core was going to be somewhat of a concern. Yeah. Um, that that was before the arrival of Nevada's Faith Lutheran, Mai Goyati. Right. Um, he's the other. He's the brother of the USC. Who's at USC right now from Gorman? You know, and he helps shore up that that core with uh, Williams and then and then Kobe Pepe. You know. So, you know, that was a concern, but I don't stick of it so much now. Um, so basically their main concern is going to be their running game. Um, and that's, you know, Nathaniel you know, Jones is coming off that ACL injury. Now, you know, he's a good back when he's healthy. I don't know the status, you know, if he's, if he's 100% yet. Um, you know, so that's going to be interesting because their backups are a couple of sophomores who are all fast, but they're all small in nature. They're all about, they're probably average about 5'8", 165 pounds. And that's including uh, Trinity League sprint champ Rashawn Luke, who's like a 10'6", so if he gets in the open, he's gone. No one's going to catch him. Yeah. Um, and then also they have Servite transfer Jabari Bates, um, who was on that Servite freshman team that was with T Mac and and um, Noah Fafita, um, but he's now at Bosco. So and then defensively, you know the secondary took its lumps in the summer, mainly due to inexperience. Um, and so they, they may feature some Chris Hudson um, yeah. this year as he stepped in at times. Um, but you know we'll see what happens down the you know down the line. Bosco did receive. A league high thirteen transfers. However, only like I think three or five are slated to start or even be amongst the rotation. Um, but they did get two giant defensive tackles. Um, They're six three, three twenty. Zeke Moa having from Nevada, Faith Lutheran, and six six, two hundred fifty. Noah Masai from Redondo Union, and I think those guys are you know depending on I'm, I'm told that they're going to be defensive guys, but. Um, for now but who knows but you know that just gives them it's just more depth and that's what you need in 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 uh, trinity league so right well yeah and when it, when i saw the braves at the mission video tournament their best it seemed like their lockdown corner really ended up being um hudson he was you know he was really stepping up chris hudson was stepping up and um making some big plays so i think uh that could be uh, interesting um to watch how that secondary um, you know, develops where, you know, they had a big loss, uh, you know, it turns out obviously with the graduation of uh, Chris Steele. Right. And the, and the two guys they have, I guess, James, there's James Elf or James Smith, and I think he's a Washington commit. And, and so they're not, you know, their talent is there. It's just that they just, you know, they're just an experience. Um, and um, we'll just, you know, and they'd have like, a, but their safeties are good. Like you said, Jake Newman and Joe, Joe, uh, John, John Valens, you know, so it's just a matter of them, I think, uh, of them playing together and um, getting back into it. Yes, uh, Jonathan Vaughns. All right, well, that's the uh, a little look at the breakdown on the Braves. All right, Scotty, let's look now at Jay Sarah's strengths and areas of concern where, like we mentioned, new quarterback in General Booty. 
who's got some Orange County ties, spent his freshman year at uh, Corona Del Mar from the famous Booty family uh, with uh, the ties to USC and and uh, other places, LSU. A lot of athleticism in that family. Return Chris Street, maybe the maybe the best running back in the in the Trinity League. Cal committed senior. They've reloaded with some transfers. They're going to have a really good offensive line. Coach head coach Pat Harlow is an offensive guy. They got some uh, D linemen that they're uh, hopeful of. They have a great looking, you know, linebacker group that I'm pretty high on. I wrote about this year that I think they're huge and stacked, and they're going to look very intimidating in pads. Um, and then you know, but you got some, uh, and then you got a couple of good corners that I like, but still got some. They lost some stuff at in secondary, uh, safety wise. But Scotty, what do you think of Jay Sarah? So they returned two. On offense, yeah, and four on defense, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but keep this in mind: seventeen out of their twenty-two projected starters are going to be transfers. So that's kind of an interesting stat, you know, per se. So, uh, I mean, I know people don't. Some people don't care, but some people, when they develop, or but that it's just a number that's drastically out there. So, um, but you know, their strengths. You know, obviously going to be a running game, which, you know, Street and Sammy Green and potentially their newly acquired O-line to go with their loans returner, Jeff Percy. His four out of the five starters penciled in or transfers, and they're big. 6'4", 315, Ross Masalii from, say, Cathedral Catholic, 6'5", right. 280, Mason Murphy from Riverside King, 6'3", 275, Brody Crane from Santa Margarita. And six three two seventy five feet and six two three ten Wendell Moe, the brothers from Moreno Valley, and they're all juniors except for Wendell Moe is going to be the sophomore. Um, and then you know Masaliai is listed at three star. He's the only one with multiple scholarship offers. And then Mason has that one USC loan offer. So you know they, they that front is going to average about six four two ninety two. So you know, and the only thing is that is that they're big or whatever. That they're big and and I know they're they're new coming into the Trinity League, and some people don't realize how tough an adjustment that is. So that's going to be just one thing to see how they gel and come together, um, because it's easier said than done. People think, oh, these guys are going to come in, and, and it's not that it's not that simple. Unless you're a five bona fide five star, then but most of the time it's 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 very hard it's an adjustment so it's no secret you know jsr is going to be a run-oriented team it's going to set up their passing game um you know then defensively Jaden genova and malachi tail you know they're going to be the mainstays in that middle anchoring that defense um and then as far as like my concerns um as we said earlier the passing game didn't fare well with their transfer QB you know booty guiding that team um I don't know if there's a if it's a lack of playmakers um because he didn't have consistent you know in those tournaments and he didn't feel comfortable in that in that you know straight up passing game I mean it was but to me it was obvious that they lacked overall team speed on both sides of the ball and what I mean by that is that you know they're gonna have they're gonna struggle I think in stretching the field when they play teams with speed um, because unlike last year's wide receiver core, they're going with the Stanford Cardinal look. You know, they're going to have three tight ends, um, two being the, the transfers, Gary Morrison from Santa Margarita and Champ Johnson from San Diego Bishop La Jolla. And then the third is sophomore 6'5", 
Kenyon Burnett, who's listed as a receiver, but he's basically a tight end that they're going to split wide and utilize his side size with uh, you know mismatches. Um, and then they have a shifty Ernest McDaniel at that slot. Um, but I just I look for Jay Sarah to out physical teams. You know, and then it, you know, when it comes to speed teams, that's where they may struggle. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, but, you know, then defensively, the Lions have two converted quarterbacks. Um, Trace Warren is going to be at uh, free safety, and he's probably slashed the backup quarterback. I know he was he played a little bit last year in running quarterback. And then Keegan okay. Nerdington, at outside linebacker, he was also a quarterback. Um, so that would be interesting to, because neither of them have like a physical presence. Um, you know, and last year's starter, strong safety Anthony Ward, who would have been given that that presence, he tr- transferred out to Ontario Colony, so he's not there. He was also he would have been that third running back because he played running back last year too. And then they also lost up and coming defensive end Jasper Lott, and he moved to Texas. So you know they filled some guys in, they lost some key guys. Um, but primarily, I think, like I said, Jason is going to be an interesting team to watch because of because only having six returning starters and all those transfers. So, um, and they play a couple of tough early games. But I think you know, you know, Jason is still going to be one of the better teams. But it's just how far and how how you know how you know close do they close that gap between the elite teams? Yeah, they. Their number, their number one subject, uh, the study at J. Sarah right now is chemistry. That chemistry one hundred and one is big time. Yeah. They're trying to get on the same page, and yeah, they opened um, on the road um, against uh, in Utah, I believe, against East of Salt Lake City, and they also go down and play Saint uh, Saint um, at Cathedral Catholic. Then uh, the next week they play against Saint Joseph's. Uh, St. Joseph Regional of New Jersey. Then they also play uh, home against Amont, and then they play Milton of Georgia. So, like you said, some you know pretty tough teams. And then they play Calabasas, but they get Calabasas at home this year. So, um, yeah, we'll be interesting how quickly they can get together uh, on the same page. Let's move on to uh, Servite, Scotty. So, like we said, some promising uh, summer for the Friars, year two, and in, in the second tenure here of. Troy Thomas, no Fafita, sophomore is going to be the first year starter at quarterback. Talked about that off- offensive line, lots of weapons at receiver, a um, lot of good athletes, guys like Noah Avenger, Jake Overman looks really good. My questions will be on defense, how how well can they um, can they get some pressure on the quarterback, which I think last year was at times an issue. I'm sure there'll be sound tacklers like they usually are, you know, Coach Thomas. But then how is that secondary going to hold up against the, uh, you know, some of these aerial attacks? What's your uh, what's your thoughts on uh, the Friars? So they have the most returners in the league. Uh, they got the seven on offense and the six on defense. And, you know, their passing game and their offensive line, you know, certainly the highlight you know, for Friars, and I think the fans are just waiting to unleash, you know, Noah Fafita, um, who showed some glimpses in some of those last few games for the Friars. Yeah. Um, and he's going to have some weapons with tight end, you know, the Jake Overman and, and probably one of the other, probably the top sophomore with, with C.J. Williams at Modern Day and T-Mac McMillan. And T-Mac is actually the number two rated 2022 prospect. 
number 12 overall. He brings a unique skill set. Um, he's being six, you know, being 6'4", 180 pounds, and he's a three-sport athlete, and he's equally good in all sports, so that's huge. You know, he was slow last season. He broke his collarbone in um, one of the in the game against Modern Day, so right. he didn't play any varsity games. Um, but he showed in the summer that he's going to be one of the top go-to guys. And then the line, I mean, it's probably the it's probably the next biggest line um, size-wise to Jay Sarah. You know, and it's dominated by experienced seniors: Nicholas Martinez, Clarence Krebs, and we said you know and Jeremiah Latua Ulu. And then defensively, you know, that's, you know, they have some skill guys on there on that side that do make plays. Um, Zedekiah centers, you know, he wowed everyone with his special teams play. You yeah. know, we're going to have to look to see with him, you know, being, he can make some plays at free safety. Um, Servant's going to feature probably a lot of two way guys, probably the most, I think, in the league than anybody. Um, again, you know, with Jake Overman, it's going to be at the DN, Noah Avingers yes. at corner, and I think receiver, yeah, Mendon Aguilar at the DN, and he's making the transition from tight end to the offensive line. Yeah. So that's going to be interesting in alone that he can do that, you know, going and playing offense, starting at, you know, at offensive line, you know, whether or not how much he plays on offense, you know, guy, will be the question. Um, and then as far as the concerns go, you know, it's going to be, the, you know, I think it's been this way with Servi for the last few years, their running game, um, Derek Fuentes returns, but Servi doesn't have much after him. You know, they lack that dominating back. You know, Kyle Bandy also returns, but he only carried it 33 times last year. You know, he's probably going to be that power back. And then defensively, um, the linebackers, uh, they're small and, you know, they don't have, a, 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 there's not a dominating presence to them. They may be quick and, and fly to the ball because that's what they did last year, but they're going to go about 5, 10, 190. Um, and then, that, of course, you know, it's that secondary, um, you know, whether or not those corners, you know, can can dial it in. Um, but pretty much, you know, I think Servite's going to be in a lot of, I, I think, a lot of high-scoring games. Um Okay. I'm in, in, until that, until that, you know, unless that defense rallies and yeah. shows that they'll be able to, you know, um, to cut those points down, um, we'll have to see. Okay. Let's look at the Friars. So pretty uh, indicative of maybe, you know, maybe their summer was showing some of the uh, some of the projections on how their their games could go, and um, so that's that's pretty interesting. Let's move on to to Orange Lutheran. So not a lot of returners on offense. Um, you know, obviously losing guys like Ryan Halinski, Kyle Ford, um, Ethan Ray, you know, JoJo Hawkins. Um, you know, they lost some even tight ends, Elijah Moraro. They lost a, lost a ton. So n- not a lot of, uh, re- you know, only four starters I have back on offense. Um, defense, they have, a, you know, a little bit more back where they have, you know, they got some really good linebackers. They keep on turning out the linebackers, it seems like, year after year. Guys like Ethan Howard, uh, Jonah uh, Leban are really good um, um, players for him at linebacker, and I, I think they're going they're going to be a lot of linebackers and um, running back combos. And they, like I said, I don't they they really lack some um, dynamic uh, playmaking at receiver. They could start even start a freshman quarterback. We'll see about that. And uh, but another bright spot is that this in the secondary, uh, good cornerback. Um, junior R.J. Uh, Regan is uh, on the rise, and they have a lot of good old linemen, and I think they'll be pretty good in the trenches. But 
What's your thought on J.P. Presley's uh, squad, uh, Scotty? I got them with two returningers on offense, and I got okay. six on defense. Um, you know, their strengths are going to be that probably the offensive line, despite them being a young group, inexperienced. Um, and I know last year they were hit with a lot of injuries. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I think it's in that offensive line is is, and they're going to be pretty big. Um, they already yeah. have the size. They're going to be six five, two eighty, and Adrian Tena six three, two eighty, with Fianuel Pepe, who's coming back, you know, from injury, six four, two fifty five, Jason White six five, two eighty. Tristan Webb, um, and then Tenna being the lone senior, um, and then defensively it's those middle backers Ethan Howard and Jonah Lobbyon, and then the corner RJ Regan, and, and you know that's pretty much what they have as far as their strength. Everything else is going to be you know a concern, um, you know inexperience on offense. You know the quarterback uh, Logan. Gonzalez is the sophomore and freshman Carson Conklin, you know, are competing for that spot. And it doesn't help that there's zero established skill players returning at running back and receiver. But they did pick up a few under the radar skill players and running backs, junior Xavier Crockett from Ayala Chino Hills and sophomore Desmond Jackson from Marietta Mesa. And then Crockett actually, he ran for 862 yards. And then Jackson did see some varsity action as a freshman, um, putting up 190. But again, where we said that learning curve in the Trinity League is huge. So I, you know, we'll see if they be if they can make a difference and an impact, you know, um, you know, with the Lancers, you know, and and I don't think Orange Luton should have been ranked among the top ten. Um, I mean, I saw the Orange County rankings, you know, because they have yeah. too many question marks. Um, I would have had them at eleven, maybe. Okay. You know, but I, under, I understand the rankings probably more based on them being a Trinity League team, thinking that you know their linemen and their skills, which I you know are their linemen, you know that the, the strength is probably going to win out there. But um, that was just my 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 take on on where they're at right now. Yeah, I just think they have too many linemen. I think they'll, I think they're going to have to scheme real well. They're going to have to keep things simple for their quarterbacks, utilize their strengths. Um, you know, they have, you know, they're going to have a host of running backs going, you know, they could, you know, a lot of these linebackers are going to be running backs. Guys like Jared Amasio is going to be a good one, a senior. Um, you know, I think those other, you know, those other linebackers we mentioned are all going to probably get carries. Um, they're going to have to throw to backs and, uh, you know, uh, control the ball, try to keep their, you know, um, defense, um, and linemen, um, defense fresh off the field as much as possible. Cooper Vanderhill is going to have to have a big year, um, but they seem like they have good chemistry. But they're 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 definitely building because one of the freshmen they have, you know, kind of gives you some insight to where another young. We mentioned a freshman quarterback. There's also a freshman wide receiver that they're excited about, uh, Tiger uh, Bachmeyer, who's uh, the younger brother of the Bachmeyer who was a record-setting quarterback in the Inland Empire. So. Um, so that's kind of gives you an idea. That's a, that's a kid they're excited about at receiver, but he's a freshman. Yeah, I saw him in that Michigan Hope tournament, and he's physically. I mean, he's gonna have a, he's gonna struggle, but um, you know, I, I didn't see enough of him to, for him to be that much of an make that of an impact. You know, maybe for them since there's no they don't have any skill players, and, and it's basically you know you know get your experience. Um, but we'll just have to see. So, All right, Scotty, our last team preview here, Santa Margarita. Like we said, new first-year coach, Brent Visselmeyer. The Eagles, you know, they had the tough go of losing all the – so many of their, their transfers. 
This is kind of what Servite went through after the, in, the, in their transition period um, in the last season of Scott Meyer transitioning to the return of Troy Thomas. They lost a bunch, uh, a lot of them to St. St. John Bosco, but the Eagles, they lost, you know, Cast- Peter Castelli, their junior starting quarterback to Mission Viejo. Chase Nenad, their leading receiver, is at Mission Viejo. You, you know, Brody Crane, great center. He's at J. Sarah. Um, lost a good defensive lineman, Logan. Um, he's at Mission Viejo. The list kind of goes goes on. We mentioned Morrison um, at the tight end at J. Sarah. So they lost a lot, but they also did get in a uh, transfer quarterback, Colt Fulton, who's a good-looking junior, who's six foot four, maybe 195 pounds from Centennial Corona. Nice touch, left-handed, like we said. It's got an offer from Florida Atlantic. Um, can run a little bit as well. Comes from a good program. They have a good running back, I think, uh, to watch. And Nicholas Barcelos, who I saw play last year, I think, has got a good motor. Runs hard, athletic kid. Also can play linebacker. Good long snapper. But they're going to have. You know, they don't have a lot of receivers. Um, and, the, you know, their secondary uh, defense was a definitely an issue for the Eagles last year where they, they allowed a lot of points, um, 34, you know, about 34 points a game. I think they have a couple promising uh, emerging players. I like Derek Wilkins as a, uh, as a defensive lineman who's coming on. Greg Doyle is still back, who's a pretty big senior outside linebacker. Um you know, or even inside linebacker, 6'3", 225. But a lot of holes in the first year for uh, Coach uh, Brett Visselmeyer. What's your your thoughts on the Eagles, Scotty? Uh, so basically, yeah, they got, I got them at two returning offensive guys, and, you know, they have six returners on defense. So, uh, you know, that's where their experience is going to, you know, come from. Uh, you know, I don't know if I can say, you know, that they have any strengths going into the season. I mean, <laughs> other than running back, not to be, you know, not to I'm just saying what it is. And, and, and you know, Nick Barcelos, who ran for 442 yards as a part-time starter, that's all the production the Eagles have coming back. Um, you know, and, and, you know, most of that linebacking core on defense returns, and you had mentioned and with Wilkins, um, you know, but the Eagles did give up the most points in in league last year. Um, you know that concerns guess is going to be an experience. You know, having to ba- bounce back from that mass exodus. You know, you know, like Olu, they're breaking in that new quarterback. Um, you know, Colt Fulton from you know Centennial, and then they also got another transfer. And I don't know if he's on their radar or, or not. Um, he's a senior, Josh Contreras from Altaloma, and then their freshman quarterback. Um, sophomore Jordan Holmes who is he's actually a dual threat guy and he's an athlete so I don't know you may see him you know playing somewhere else you know because they need athletes but he's a pretty good looking kid he's about 6'1 180 um but uh pretty much you know Orange Luthans I mean excuse me Santa Margarita is basically gonna have to um you know just take their lumps and, and and you know build build with from within um so that's what I got on for the Eagles. Yeah, could be a pretty, pretty. Uh, it's a definitely rebuild here um, with the new coach and you know all the transfers. Um, you know the schedule is going to be interesting. They're playing Mission Viejo again um, early in the season. They go to Cherry Creek um, of Colorado. Got the Mayfair game. 
Um, and then they play a, a team from Hayward, California, in Northern California, uh, Stellar Prep, um, who is doesn't have a stellar uh, resume. Uh, freelance team. It's a high division, Division Seven team. So, you know, the schedule's not uh, that crazy. Out of uh, you know, Mission's going to be pretty good. Cherry Creek's going to be uh, good. But after that, there's some winnable games before uh, the Trina League, where you know, obviously they they struggled um, like they did last year. So, should be interesting um, combination of that schedule with uh, some of the concerns and maybe the lack of any strengths at all. We'll see. I'm. I'm sure the Eagles will come up with some strengths. Um, and, I, you know, Coach uh, Visselmeyer is a really good coach. I think that was a good hire for them. So, um, but, you know, like you said, the training league is, t- we know it's tough. And uh, first year in, it's going to be an eye opener, especially when that roster is just changing and, and changed so much. So um, let's move on, Scotty, to we, uh, let's talk a little personnel, a little bit more um, personnel. Newcomers. Most improved, uh, most important players to watch, like we said, for each team. Newcomers to watch 2019, the most important player and why um, for each team. Let's start with uh, Modern Day. How about your newcomer uh, to watch and most important player? I think I might have a beat on, uh, on these guys. Maybe you're going to talk about David Bailey. Maybe you're going to talk about Bryce Young. You let me know, Scotty. Let, our, let yeah, us know. You're, you're absolutely right on that one. <laughs> Uh, David Bailey, he's an outside linebacker. He's 6'3", 220. Um, he's the brother of former Jay Sarah and I think University of Penn defensive end DJ Bailey. Um, he, he's, he holds the LSU offer. You know, he's going to open eyes this season. Um, he's a pass rush. He's a hybrid light outside, you know, linebacker DN and attested by Miles Morrow. He's been, he's been quoted saying that Bailey's skill set is by far the best he's gone up against in a while and he challenges him in practice every day um and you know that's saying something for for you know what we're are gonna see from this from this kid so um he didn't make their he didn't make 24 sevens uh top 100 um and i was told because they needed to see more phil because he only played he was he only played freshman he didn't play varsity last year and a lot of the times you know and he doesn't play uh seven on seven so he didn't they didn't get to steam in the summer um so that's pretty much the reason why he didn't make that list, but he's definitely will be on there by by the end of the year. Um, and then as far as most important player, you know, the obvious choice is Bryce, um, without question. Um, but I'm going to actually go with another, and I'm going to say, you know, actually Miles Moreau. Yeah. And I, I know he went down last year. That was huge. Um, yeah. But they were able to bounce back from it. Um, but they don't have that same quality of depth. Um, after, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, if he goes down, um, all the other positions can, but the O line can't. Um, and I think because of his senior leadership, um, and it took its toll, believe it or not, last year on the on the team. I mean, they were devastated, and they were able to, you know, even as much talented as they were, it took the offensive line a long time um, before they really, they, you know, rallied around each other. Um, because he's the heart and soul of the, of that group, so I, I he cannot go down, um, and that's why I think he, you know, slash Bryce are the two most important, you know, most important players. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, Bryce is so important for his leadership, his scrambling, um, his dual threat ability, his improved arm strength. Obviously, they get a lot of toughness uh, from Miles protecting that uh, blind side of. Um, Bryce Young, so two uh, outstanding picks. 
So, St. Uh, John Bosco, Scotty, you know, newcomer to watch, most important player. Obviously, I think we're probably going with uh, DJ Ugalele, um at, you know, at uh, quarterback being the glue guy for the Braves. Um, you know, um, the Clemson-bound senior can throw it just with about anybody. Um, but I wonder who, if you're going to pick a, a transfer, perhaps, on the newcomers to watch. Um, actually, I'm not. Um, I'm going with the uh, offensive tackle, uh, Ernest Green. Um, okay. 6'5", six, six, 280. He has the potential to be better than Wyatt Davis, wow. um, who was the best lineman and probably Jason Negrera. So that's has been his name. That's what's been discussed. I mean, he dominated the freshman group, but he's a physical presence. Um, and, you know, he, he's going to – you know, just that's what the word out of Bosco is. And for, you know, we know how good Wyatt Davis was. And yep. for him to be mentioned in that group just tells you alone what, you know, what's uh, yeah. in store for this kid. Um, and then most important player, you know, like DJ, I mean, like Bryce, it's it's DJ for Bosco. But, you know, the more not so obvious um, is Nathaniel Jones because of, you know, he's a bruising running back he's a big back without him bosco does lacks the power running game um and then they don't become so balanced and we know what happens when when you do, you don't have balance sometimes it, it, it it's it's a hindrance um so he needs to remain healthy uh and bounce back from his knee injury yes and, and wyatt davis is you know at ohio state you know that's uh, you know the future home of you know, there's some there's some bosco connection there with ohio state where uh, Court Williams is committed to Ohio State. A former Santa, uh, f- former St. John Bosco, brave at, even as a freshman. Um, Clark Phillips, third now at La Habra. He's going to Ohio State. So obviously some uh, great players there. All right, let's move on to Jay Sarah. Newcomer to watch. Most important player. I think a most important, obviously Chris Street's got to run the ball really well. Um and he's got, you know, they got to, you know, um, you, I think most of the training league and a lot of opponents be like, gosh, hope we don't, hope they don't decide to give the ball, you know, 30 times as Chris Street. That could be a tough go. But what's your, what's your ta- thoughts, Scotty, on most important player and, and player on the rise uh, for the uh, for the Lions? So uh, the newcomer uh, on the rise player, I go Kenny and Burnett. You know, he's yeah. going to be a two, he's going to actually be a two-way player. Um and um, but I think his best position could be at defensive end. Yeah. Um, he's listed at number ten in California on the two forty seven list, um, number eighty six overall. Um, you know, like I said, they're going to use him at receiver, but I think he's a tight end. You know, split out, um, and they're going to use his jumping. You know, his height ability more so than, than than his speed. But I think you know, in the end, you know, but that, you know, he's got that size and, and to put the weight on um to be a, a defensive end but um that's what we're gonna i think we'll see out of burnett and the most important player no no secret there chris street the calcumit you know he's going to be the workhorse for that team they're going to lean on his production and you know and you know wait for like other players to you know develop or step up you know i know they have sammy green you know yeah. i don't i know he's playing some defense too so i know he kind of is a change up back you know they used him a lot like last year um you know you know we'll just have to you know wait and see how 
you know, if, if they want to give him the ball that 30 times, you know, I mean, you know, I know he's a physical specimen and he's a physical back. Um, but I also think that, you know, you don't want to wear him out. So, yeah. you know, we'll just wait and, you know, wait and see. But, uh, by definitely, you know, he is their guy. That's the most important. Yeah. One, one thing that came up at the Trinity league, um, media day and talking to Chris street and, and coach Harlow, they talked about him um, street playing a little bit more slot receiver than he has, and 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 that's to make room for Green at running back. And you know, Street only had seven catches last year, so uh, I think that might be something where they could get a little bit more speed on the outside or inside at slot and help out some of their receiving uh, capabilities. So it could be some uh, new look from from Jay Sarah this year. Let's talk about Servite, uh, Scotty, um, newcomer to watch. Most important player, who do you have for them? You know, that game, that's going to be T-Mac McMillan for developing newcomer. Um, his, I mentioned his measurables. Um, right. You know, Servi didn't, didn't, you know, pick up many key transfers. Um, but I do want to mention, you know, this other kid who's a developing star uh, to watch for is that they added a, a junior lineman uh, from Carson, uh, Shanico Marriott. Matuata. Yeah, he's a former Buckeye, um, so he has some ties of, to the Orange County area. Um, but I think he's also could be a developing guy to watch for, and I think he's going to be on the plane defense. Not so much, you know, they'd have okay. enough offensive linemen. So, and he's like a six-two. He's about a three-hundred-pound guy, so it's going to give them some added, you know, big in the middle there that they haven't had in a long time. Um, you know, but most important player, and I'm still I'm going to go against. Stay, I'm sticking with T Mac, and I, okay. I say it's obviously the, the you know you could say quarterback position because I know a lot of these teams don't have quality backups that could step in and in and command their. You know, it'd be a struggle for these for these offenses to to leave off where they left if they didn't have the same quality quarterback. But I think with you know, T Mac, I think he's going to provide the red zone target. I think, you know, he's going to get those mismatches with smaller corners. Um, he stretches the field. And I know he's a sophomore, but, um, I, you know, other than the quarterback, I think he would be the, the, the next, you know, the next one. Because other than that, I mean, I know they have Overman, but he, you know, it's, it's different when you have a 6'4 guy that has a, you know, 40 inch vertical. And um, that can just go up and get the ball. I mean, high he high points the ball really well, and and, and that's hard to defend. So, yeah. Um, Noah Fita is going to be. Uh, he's got a lot of poise, and he's he's obviously going to have to step up and um, you know use those weapons. And I think T Max that is that deep threat for them, and uh, definitely good uh, red zone target. But he should definitely lean on uh, Overman, who look who's really good over the middle and can do some damage. You know, after the you know, yards after the catch, but there'll be the other guys um, that they definitely can use some of those you know DBs. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, I agree with you about the run, the running game, and uh, but I think those are excellent picks there, uh, Scotty. Let's move on to Orange Lutheran, um, newly developed uh, player to watch on the rise, and their most important player. So the newcomer and developed guy, I'm going with Jason White. The junior yeah. offensive lineman. He's had he had a strong off season and he, he opened some eyes at these lineman camps. Right. Um, and he he moves very well and he, like I said he's about six four two fifty five so he has that frame to add 
Um, but he's more of that. He has an athletic built to him than, um, you know, than some of the bigger guys. Most important player, uh, you know, I code this with Ethan Howard and Jonah Laban, yeah. both those key guys to lead um, this young group. Um, and they're the only guys that have the experience. And so they're going to have to, they're going to actually have to be the catalyst for, you know, the offense and the defensive guys. Um, and I think that's crucial to, you know, that, that they have to be out on that field um, with these young guys. Yeah. Jason White, you mentioned, has got an offer from Florida, among others. I think he's got a couple pack pack 12 offers. I think he might be the left tackle, um, you know, for the Lancers, I think are going to be uh, looking to run the ball. And those are good picks on the linebackers. Um, those two seniors. Um, all right, and last uh, team, Scotty, Santa Margarita. So we talked about the losses, um, some key returners, but who do you pick as their most important player? Who's their newcomer to watch? Uh, their newcomer is um, Derek Wilkins, um, probably a defensive end. Um, and it's funny on this pick or because I really – he was under the radar and – I really didn't really notice him all that much. And then I noticed who the captains were or who they brought to the uh, Trinity League uh, luncheon. And I'm like, who's this Derek Wilkins? And then I'm like, I had to go back and watch and I'm like, yeah. watch the film. And he's, you know, he was a sophomore last year. He didn't see a lot of time, um, but he has a good frame. Um, so, you know, he didn't have any offers. He didn't make do any camps. Um but he has a pretty good motor, so you know we'll have to see. I think he wouldn't, you know, he probably was, you know, how do you want to say this? To make that that list, I don't know if he's a captain, being a being a junior or not. But to bring kid to be brought to media day must, you know, yeah, say a lot about his character and his worth ethic. So, um, I, you know, as I watched a little more on him, you know, I think he's been one probably to watch for. Um, and then uh, for most important player. Yes, yeah, at this point it's got to be Nick Barcelos only because he has the most experience and he was a pretty good back. Um, and like you said, I think he's you know he played linebacker as well. He long snaps, so it's like I, you know to be all of those things. That's those are all important things that you need. And and we know about long snapping. If you don't have a good long snapper, uh, you know that could be murderous uh, with snaps oh, yeah. over your head and turnovers. So yeah, there's actually some uh, you know there's some actually really good long snappers in the league. Um, you know, uh, Jacob Garcia is maybe the best in Orange County. He's at, at Servite. Um, Cameron Hawkins is committed to Arizona um, from Orange Lutheran. And um, there's one at Modern Day, um, you know, um, as well. Um, his name's escaping me. You can tell me they're lo- the long snapper. Um, Rubio. So oh, yeah. um, so there's, there's a bunch of good long snappers. But, you know, it's going to be uh, the, the, you know, there's a lot of question marks for, for Santa Margarita, but I think uh, it's hard to pick one guy, in my opinion, for who's most important because it's it's not that kind of a team because they lost so much. They don't have a big, you know, uh, star type player that you know. So it's going to be Barcelos, who's going to be a running back, who's going to run hard and play, you know, do the best he can. But I, you know, it kind of feels like too big of a role to put on him. Um, going like you said, and, and we saw, you know, his backup last year. But it showed a lot of potential. He did. He ran well uh, against the Orange Lutheran. I'm high on the kid, but they're going to all have to band together. And then, um, and Wilkins is a good pick too. He's actually got an offer recently from uh, San Jose State. Okay, all right, good for him. Yeah. So he's on the radar. So exactly. 
So, well, that's our uh, our uh, our players to watch, our new pl- newcomers to watch for each team. Most important players um, to watch. There's some good deep dive there and some personnel, Scotty. So, good job on that. Um, so, let's close out our podcast and welcome. You know, thank you for everybody for uh, listening to our first podcast for 2019. Again, I'm Dan Albano, OC Register, and Scotty Barajas, our OC Football Insider. So, Sky, let's uh, let's lay it out um, now. Our predictions for the for the year, and uh, I'll share you, you mine. I, I have a feeling that we we might um, match up on our predictions, but let me run off my my top uh, six and in, in order and see what you got. But the way I see this league going is, I got Modern Day one, Bosco two, J Sarah three, Servite four, Olu five, and I have Santa Margarita six. That's my order. So my order is, you know, there's no suspense here. I, you know, it's the same as yours. However, you know, the very interesting, you know, I still think the elephants in the room are, are modern day and Bosco, and I still think there's a big gap. A lot of people have been talking about Jay Sarah closing that gap. I don't think they have um, or will. Um, I think Servites closed the gap to Jay Sarah because there used to be a big gap between that third spot, and I think Servites closed it. And that's, I think that I will not be surprised if when that game comes down and if that if Servite, you know, beats Jay Sarah. I know there's a lot, you know, until we get to that, until we see these games start playing out. But I, there's just something in me that I don't know why. I just have this feeling, you know, and, and that, that Servite could possibly you know do that so we'll just have to wait and see um and then of course you know olu and santa maria down at, at, at the bottom um it'd be interesting to see of those two if those can separate from each other um but as far as it, it goes i'm going with the same uh, order as you well be interesting too you mentioned i struggled a little bit the only decision i probably struggled the most on was maybe i i Gave a little thought to, hey, who's better, Jay Sarah or Servite? Um, it's interesting about the schedule this year. Servite opens Trinity League against Bosco, um, and then they play Modern Day, and then they play Jay Sarah. So, pretty interesting uh, schedule there for um, for the Friars in that that big game with um, Jay Sarah. I know this is a long ways in advance, but. Um, and Jay Sarah opens up against Santa Margarita at home. They play Bosco at home, who they've been playing pretty well lately. Um, and then they play uh, Servite. So maybe uh, Jay Sarah's one and one in league, and moderate and Servite's coming into that big game with Jay Sarah zero and two, and um, maybe uh, Jay Sarah's wondering what what they got. So um, it's going to be interesting because uh, another dynamic to this all is a little bit postseason wise, where there's the Division One, Division Two, Scotty, where you know, that's kind of a big uh, game because my thought is, hey, if you get third in the Trinity League, I think you're probably going Division One, which is going to be n- new this year. It's going to be it's going to be the Elite Eight, eight teams only in Division One. I think if you're top three Trinity, you're definitely probably going number uh, Division One. And then if you don't make Division One, what happens is that you're automatically, if you're in this Division One, Division Two group, if you don't make that top eight, you're automatically in Division Two, and that could be pretty big uh, new life for uh, Servite, a fourth place team going for a Division Two title, or any of these other you know fifth and sixth place teams. So 
Santa Margarita, Orange Lutheran, everyone in the training league is going to the playoffs. But what's your thoughts on those scenarios, Scotty? You know, I I was kind of going through that a couple of weeks ago, and and I, you know, we could have a whole show on on that just <laughs> alone um, because I was like you said, we're going to be scoreboard watching those seven to ten teams, you know, ranked seven to ten because, like you said, those those that are left out are going to be dropped to two. And the way it's preseason, the way it's set up right now, like you Servite's up right at that cusp. They're yeah. about that seven or eight, you know, team right now. Uh, so it'll be interesting, um, you know. And I had this discussion with one of my buddies, and they said, "Does does a team tank? Do they want to like do they drop so they can play in a Division Two championship rather than have to go through modern day Bosco, you know, Centennial? Do they, you know, is it, you know, is your championship cheapen you know i you know is it lesson because you didn't play the best you know near you know everyone's going to have their opinions and different how, how to look at it but it's going to be it, it, let's just say it very be interesting because it's going to be i think it adds more excitement you know because there's that you know that one and two won't be determined to the very end yeah so. i've heard that whole uh argument as well the tanking but the only thing is, I, I can't see it happening though because there's too much bragging rights and too much on the line. That if you drop these games to these training league rivals, they you know they can one up you, and you know that their fan base and you know the the mojo that attracts players to these programs, it's it's going to take a big hit. Like even you look at you know week ten, you know you have Orange Lutheran playing Servite. You know those guys are they're competing uh, against each other. I can't see them not wanting to win that game. Um, you know, um, you know. So I can't see Jay Sarah in Week Ten not trying to beat Modern Day. I mean, they, you know, they, you know, especially after some of the the, the lickings that the Monarchs have been putting on them. Um, so um, should be interesting. That's just a couple. That's only the, a couple of the matchups. But um, Scotty, great job as always. I really appreciate your insight. I hope all our OC football and Trinity League football fans uh, appreciate all the work you did breaking these down strengths, concerns, your deep dive. Um, you threw out some transfers that I got to check in on too. I was wondering about a couple of those um, inland guys. I think mostly on Santa Margarita um, or Orange Lutheran. There was a couple of them that I was not aware of. So that's the kind of insight that Scotty Barajas can provide. And uh, great job. And it was great talking to you as always, Scotty. Oh, as always, Dan. I like I said, I enjoy it. Um, it you know, like I I love what I you know do. It's you know, it is a hobby, but um, you know, I look forward to to uh, talking with you every weekend. So you got it, Sky. Well, the season is going to be uh, starting uh, pretty quick, so be sure to be uh, joining us here um, back on the uh, the Trinity League uh, Football Podcast uh, very soon as we. Uh, get ready for these uh, seasons. So um, again, for Sky Barajas, I'm Dan Albano, and thank you for listening to the Trinity League Football Podcast.